continuing our series Living Hope, where we're following the letter of Peter to churches scattered about the region of Asia Minor in the Roman Empire in the first century AD. Note that this is the same Peter who preached that barnstorming sermon that we read about in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost. Our reading today is taken from 1 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honour the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Peter calls them beloved, his dearly loved brothers and sisters, and deeply loved by God. That term summarises all the extraordinary reality of what we've read so far, what God has done in Jesus and their identity in Christ, people who have received the mercy of God. Peter describes them as foreigners and exiles. This, for some who received this letter, would have been an actual reality because slaves in the Roman Empire often came from different countries. Along with that, Peter could have applied this description to all those followers of Jesus as they were now counted as people of God, people with a place in heaven prepared for them on a trajectory to the heavenly city described in Revelation 21. So the question is, how do people live in the light of their new identity in Christ? Do they check out of the world, retreat into some holy bubble to wait eagerly for the anticipated return of Jesus? That option, if it's 
if indeed that's an option for any follower of Jesus, which it's not, was not open to them. They were a persecuted minority. They were on the margins of society and unlikely to have the means to do that. What Peter asks of them is to take two distinctive actions. Abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Living in this way in the culture that surrounds them will have the effect of causing those very same people who pour scorn on them to glorify God themselves. This is describing people coming to faith in Jesus at that eagerly anticipated time of his return. These verses 11 and 12 are Peter's template for how to live. This has to be grounded in identity, in their newly found status as being followers of Jesus. Otherwise, it's impossible to live it out. Sinful desires wage war against the soul, the details of which Peter picks up later in the letter. For the moment, it's worth noting that this is an ongoing battle. And the best counter to that is to ask for the fruit of the Holy Spirit to replace those sinful desires. For a comprehensive list of both, check out Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 22. What Peter urges in our passage is to live good lives that are noticeable in their distinctiveness. He advises them to submit themselves to every human authority, the emperor overall and his emissaries, the governors, who are sent to punish or commend. The emphasis is on doing good and living free lives, but not as a cover from evil acts, rather living honourably under God's good and just rule. As one writer puts it, we don't use the freedom Christ has secured by his blood to lead whatever sorts of lives we want or say what we like about others. No, God has set us free to serve. And we can entrust people to God's good and just rule. We can entrust, as Peter says later in this passage, to the one who judges justly. We can trust God that those who do evil will be held fully to account by him. Peter ends this section with four instructions. Respect everyone, love the family of believers, fear God and honour the emperor. These are challenging enough in our day, but when you think back to the emperor at Peter's time, the challenge increases exponentially. Remember that the emperor was Nero, not a coffee magnet. Nero was a cruel and narcissistic tyrant. But note the order here. It's not fear the emperor, it's fear God and honour the emperor. Underlying what Peter is saying is that God is the supreme authority in all of this. Nothing is accidental or random. Jesus responds to Pilate, the governor who asks, don't you realise I have power either to free you or to crucify you, speaks to that. Jesus responds, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. There's a greater plan beyond what we see in front of us. So how do we apply this to our lives now? Look at these four. 
Which one of these is difficult for you today? Respect everyone, love the family of believers, fear God and honour the emperor. Let's take a moment to reflect. I listened to one American preacher who said in response to this, and she was making this comment before the last presidential election. I believe this means that there must be respect and prayers from every believer in the United States of America for either President Hillary Clinton or President Donald Trump. There, I've said it. She took a risk saying that. How's it going for you in terms of prayer and respect for those in authority over us? I admit I've caught myself being critical of a certain government advisor's actions during this week, to the extent that I even sat and watched his 15-minute statement so I could draw my own conclusions, in effect making myself judge and jury on that person. As I prepared for this sermon, it dawned on me that time would have been much better spent praying for God's guidance to the government and the opposition in the decisions they have to make. Peter makes it clear that good deeds speak to people. One of the best Zoom calls I had in early lockdown was with our local MP who invited church leaders into a call to speak about the COVID situation and to find out what was going on. It was hugely encouraging to be given the opportunity to speak into the situation and to say that we're praying for those in public life, which we do. It was fantastic to hear all the different things that churches across the city are, are doing and that this was being listened to by our MP who thanked us for all the good work that's going on. So submit to authority and live lives that are showing these good deeds. Then Peter gives instructions to the group in the society who were in the most challenging position, household slaves. These people were engaged with hard manual labour and also with a variety of other jobs, including doctors, teachers, writers, accountants, agents, overseers, secretaries, even sea captains. But at the same time as doing all this, they were not free. They were subject to the whim of their masters who could be harsh or dishonest. The household slaves were not in control of their lives. Peter calls them to do good, saying that in doing that and suffering for that, it's commendable before God and cites the example of Jesus, which we'll come to in a moment. It's important to state that this passage, along with others in the Bible, was used incorrectly to endorse the slave trade in the 18th and 19th centuries. And it took people of the Christian calibre of William Wilberforce to expose the injustices, exploitation, inhumane, barbaric dealing of that trade and bring it down. 
thank God for William Wilberforce and his friends. While saying earlier about the reality of submitting to authorities, there are clearly times when we need to speak and act on behalf of others who are disenfranchised, vulnerable, socially marginalised. The lockdown has put us all in a situation where we're not so much in control of our lives. We haven't been able to go food shopping when we've liked or to go wherever we've wanted to. There's been a tendency to become captive to fears, anxieties, boredom, stressed by screen time, overwork. These may have affected you, but in Jesus we are loved by God and are set free from these things to serve in any way we can. But the lockdown has also shown the stark reality of differences in economic situations, financial burdens, people stuck in jobs that they can't do from home, facing unemployment and suffering from lack of food or resources like computers with which to teach their children. How can we respond? For some people, like Wilberforce, the Holy Spirit will be stirring you to speak and act on behalf of others, with their permission, of course. It's important that if the Holy Spirit is stirring you to do this, that you share this with people in your Barnabas community so that you can be supported, so that you're not doing this on your own. You're doing this with a group of friends. So some may be called to be like Wilberforce at this time. All of us are called to a prayerful and practical response. We're going to open up Love Your Neighbour to wider links beyond our church community to other people across our city who may need help. We need a few more people to sign up, to offer to help in order to do this. So do pray about this and get involved. Here's the website link. Returning to our passage. Where Peter gets to as he thinks about the slaves suffering for doing good is that he's reminded of what he saw in Jesus when Jesus was unjustly accused and suffering. Earlier, Peter objected when Jesus predicted his own suffering and Jesus had to remind him of the Old Testament verse that says, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. Peter says, I'll never deny you, Lord. And Jesus said, you will. So Peter, who reacted against the suffering of Jesus, saw through the way that Jesus didn't retaliate, went through with his death, that God had a much, much bigger plan. Peter came to the other side of Jesus' death and resurrection with an understanding that the suffering that Jesus went through was an example that we should follow. But more than that was the gift to us of salvation. In the last two verses of our reading, Peter specifically quotes from Isaiah 53, By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray. Isaiah 53 describes the suffering servant that Jesus took on our sins, that we might die to sins and live to righteousness. Jesus took on what we had deserved so that we could come into full life with God and through the sufferings of Jesus, the whole world would come into relationship with God. Peter says, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. That could almost be like a personal testimony from Peter. He knew that he was one of the sheep that had scattered when the shepherd was struck at the time of Jesus' crucifixion. And yet Peter returned to Jesus and was welcomed home. 
And more than that, on the day of Pentecost, Peter saw the Holy Spirit come and release that gift of salvation to 3,000 people who turned to Jesus on that day. We're now going to worship the Lord with a song that Matt and Katie are going to lead us in, welcoming the Holy Spirit into our lives. As we do that, it may be that the Holy Spirit is stirring you to some practical action and increased prayer. It may be that the Holy Spirit is inviting you to take steps like William Wilberforce did. For all of us, the Holy Spirit will be reminding us of our identity, inviting us, like Peter, to return to Jesus, the shepherd and overseer of our souls, and to receive what it is that Jesus has won for us. So, as we make space to worship God and receive the Holy Spirit, Let's start from that place of receiving our identity, then asking the Holy Spirit what he would have us do in these times to reach people with the extraordinary goodness of God in Jesus Christ, our Lord. <laughs> 